welcome to our favorite performances of 2020. Hey, we weren't quite done with talk taking inventory from 2020, so Kenyatta, Mark, Derek, and myself wanted to highlight some great acting from the past year. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for an online event for peer-reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. So enjoy our favorite performances from 2020. All right, what you got for us, Mark? So, you know, the, um, it's funny because I think that this character has something in common with the last one I talked about. I talked about Promising Young Woman, but I think that the um, Elizabeth Moss character in Visible Man has got another uh, kind of similar uh, situation where she's coming out of a situation where it's an abusive type relationship and it's how she responds or reacts to that abusive relationship. Um, that you know is so powerful, and also you know you think about people acting um, in movies versus um, a, a monster of some sort. They they have uh, in the production um, of it, they have a, a tennis ball or something representing the monster, and they they'll, they'll put in through CGI a monster in there. In this case, you know there there is no monster that can be seen uh, for the most part, um, and she still has to kind of react uh, in some scenes, you know, by herself. Uh, against this unseen entity, um, again, a nuanced performance uh, conveying a whole range of emotions against really nothing, right? So she's probably sitting there, or she is standing there, of course, with the film crew in front of her <laughs> and everybody doing their technical work, and she's trying to act against really nothing. And 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 she just does a wonderful job. Um, again, another tremendous uh, character arc that starts off with a woman who's kind of this uh, uh, scared, uh, meek woman who's unable to agoraphobic at one point. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, through kind of learning uh, about what's happened to her and getting more information about what happened and uh, to her, again, without spoiling anything, uh, she at the end of the movie can be, uh, turns into um, a more assertive, uh, confident character. So there's a huge uh, character arc there. All the while she's trying to, you know, convince other folk that she's not crazy. And everyone thinks that she is for believing there's an invisible man. I do also credit um, Universal for uh, making this dark, uh, invisible man movie uh, that was supposed to be part of the dark universe, which I think is, is defunct now, but um, making the Elizabeth Moss character the lead and not the invisible man. That would have been a disaster, in my opinion, to have the Invisible Man movie uh, with a character you can't see, uh, which is what, of course, happened in the original one back in, I don't know, 40s, 50s? I don't know uh, the actual year the original one came out for Universal. But um, yeah, she carries the movie. She's got an incredible character arc, and she's nuanced um, against an invisible entity, which is an amazing acting job. I'm glad you mentioned her. And it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, she was, I know a lot of people um, love her. And uh, what's the name? There's a TV series, The Handmaid's Tale. And um, we just saw her. I just rewatched uh, us again, and she's in there. And uh, But this is, uh, she's played the lead in Handmaid's Tale. But here again, she's carrying a, a theatrical uh, film 
and I agree with everything you said. It's like uh, she does such a tremendous job. Um, it's it's kind of like she makes you believe the threat is there, even though it's invisible. Um, yeah, so she really carried that movie. So I, I agree with you. Just that was a good pick. Very good pick. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. I keep going. Oh, I know. I was going to say the Invisible Man the original came on 1933. That's it. Okay. All right. Yeah. After <laughs> that, all right. I wanted to make sure you got uh, the entire three along. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely great pick there, uh, Elizabeth Moss. So a fantastic actress. Uh, always is. Uh, always is present and always is able to convey very complicated emotions and just a look or a glance or a certain way she reads a line. Uh, an Invisible Man, uh, she's putting all those talents to work. Uh, it's really a almost a one-woman show uh, with uh, her battling this, yeah, the, just this unseen force, uh, you know, almost like a ghost or anything. But um, it's much more... Of course, you can read into it that uh, this is sort of an allegory for gaslighting, uh, you know, what happens in abusive relationships, uh, that uh, that one that one partner is just to domineer and just completely control another's life uh, and just completely tries to just control every aspect of that uh, in very psychologically damaging ways. Uh, and uh, Elizabeth Moss very uh, expertly sort of conveys that. Uh, and I'd also say uh, she was in another movie. I think I mentioned it in uh, our Top Movies podcast, but she played uh, Shirley Jackson, uh, the great acclaimed American author, and Shirley, uh, and she did uh, another wonderful job uh, with that, uh, sort of playing this abrasive uh, uh, legendary writer uh, that uh, <clears throat> is in a writer's block. And uh, again, it just goes to show the range that she has. Uh, she played these two very different roles, but just ex expertly and uh, very, in uh, um, just able to um, to to show off like what what she really can do as a as a great performer she is. What you got for us, um, Jeff? What do I have? All right, let's see here. Um, so we mentioned, uh, yeah, we kind of mentioned it, but, uh, I, I couldn't pick out my favorite out of this, uh, ensemble. So I'll just mention them all, uh, sort of as one group, um, uh, Regina King had a great year in, uh, I think, uh, one, her one eye in Miami or, uh, directorial debut definitely shows off a lot of skills there, but, uh, definitely the main sort of, uh, focus it's probably on the the acting job by uh, by the ensemble. Um, I want to make sure I get all these names sort of correct. But uh, Kingsley Benadire is a Malcolm X. Leslie Odom Jr. is Sam Cooke. Aldous Hodge is uh, Jim Brown, and Eli Gorey is uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, formerly Crashes Clay. And uh, it's sort of this imagining of one night uh, all these all, all these historical figures uh, come together and they. Uh, they hash it out. They talk about uh, the stuff that is going on in terms of civil rights, in terms of their careers. Um, and uh, everyone is uh, just, I couldn't, again, I couldn't pick out a favorite. Uh, I think Kingsley Benadire is getting the most acclaim as his, his portrayal of Malcolm X and deservedly so. But I think that everyone else plays uh, 
plays off of one another so well that it's just hard to separate and uh, isolate uh, one particular performance. They all they all really act as a true ensemble. It was really interesting. No. Go ahead, Kenyatta. No, no, go, no, no. Go ahead. You go first. Interestingly enough, yes, you're right. That's an incredible ensemble cast. And I read something about uh, Regina King um, actually coming up with this group of, of characters, actors, because there are a number of high, higher profile actors who wanted the roles, but refused to engage in the, the audition process. So, you know, at least we know these, these, these four uh, have less of an ego than those who, who are high profile people who want, want a juicy role in this, this, this movie, but you know, were, I guess, too uh, much of a star, or at least in their own minds, at least to, to engage in the audition process. It's, it's interesting to think about that this, this crew kind of came about, this group came about um, because they, they didn't have the ego that some other high profile folks did. Um, and also for me, of course, I, I, I know of uh, Leslie Odom from, from, from Hamilton. And um, even though I haven't seen Hamilton, I know that he's from Hamilton. Um, and then at the same time, uh, Aldous Hodge has been in a number of stuff, television shows and movies uh, for the last couple decades now. Um, but the other two guys, um, the, the um, British gentleman playing um, Malcolm X and the other guy playing um, Muhammad Ali, um, actually were unknowns to me. But I also heard that the gentleman who plays Malcolm X was also uh, given the role of Muhammad Ali in another um, picture, uh, his proposed picture. He and the guy who eventually became Muhammad Ali in this picture were up for the same role of, of, of Ali in a, a movie that never came to be. Um, and then finally, um, this movie comes out and he shifted to Malcolm X and, the, and um, gosh, the names of the, the actors who plays um, Muhammad Ali, it's not familiar to me yet um, in this movie, but um, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, Eli Gorey is- uh, Yeah, Eli Gorey yeah. um, was seen as being too young to play Muhammad Ali uh, in the original uh, plan for a different movie. And now he's just the right age. And then um, the British actor uh, was seen as too old to play Ali. So now he's shifted to Malcolm X. But in, anyway, that's just a little tidbit. Yeah, I, I, you know, Jeff beat me to it because I was about to mention all the all of them, and I kind of clumped them all together. I think they equally did as well, and um, it kind of like uh, goes hand in hand. I mean, um, you know, uh, Mark broke down kind of like the uh, you know the the facts behind the scenes. And it worked out pretty well. Not only do they sound, I mean, they actually sound like the people they're playing, but also the personalities. So it's not like, it's, it's kind of like uh, levels to this. I mean, you could sound like the person, you could kind of, uh, you know, the mannerisms, you could copy mannerisms, but they got the personalities down. Um, so I, I agree that I think they all, I, it's hard for me to kind of separate it. Um, if you had a gun to my head, maybe Sam Cooke was the best. I don't know, but um, if I were to guess, but I I agree with Jeff that I would uh, put them all together, um, kind of like co-MVPs, you know what I'm saying? And like, uh, you know, um, you know, so tie, you know. 
but uh you know good job regina king uh, like a, like i said i hope she makes more and um and we kind of talked about this film earlier off off air um if you ever seen i would see it but it, it's the kind of movie because like my rain and black bottom they were both based off plays okay and it's very dialogue heavy but the performances and you know basically the directing of scenes kind of make it you know um interesting because sometimes like i was saying before how long uh dialogues can um you know be you know a lot of people can't endure that but it's i like the direction it went you guys gotta make sure when you watch this film that because uh, when I first saw it, I was I was kind of tired. It was Friday, you know, worked all week and blah blah blah. Then I watched it again. It's like, you know, I had a very different and better experience. You know, it's not like you could watch a film like an action film and get tired. You know, but this one you really have to pay attention. And I like the direction they went. Because when I first saw it, I wasn't sure where the direction of the film was going. But um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I mean, tremendous ensemble. And and I like the way that each character is introduced, you know, the, the way they're introduced into this film. And for me, the most shocking thing was to see, um, I guess what you'd say, what I would say, is one of the ultimate, you know, man's men. Um, Jim Brown in his opening scene be humiliated. And I've always been accustomed to seeing Jim Brown being uh, a take no crap guy from anybody. And then the very first time you see him, it just uh, it flipped on its head. He's, he's actually um, shown as, as, as somebody who's being insulted. And I've never, you know, of course he's been insulted before, but he's always had a, a comeback to it. Or he's always, you know, um, never been shy about asserting himself. And in this case, it's like, wow. Jim Brown was just humiliated. This is one of the guys who was before my time, but uh, even growing up, I, I knew of Jim Brown and how much of um, uh, a take no crap guy he was. And then to see it open this way with him was just eye-opening for me. Derek, have you seen it? No, oh. not yet. I was actually planning on watching that tonight on Prime. But yeah, I've seen so many good things about it, heard so many good things about it. I actually wrote down um, Leslie Odom's name from Hamilton. I thought his performance was one of the best from 2020. Well, technically, I guess it's throughout 2020, not 2020, but throughout, um, I guess, five years, because they think they've been filming Hamilton through, like, through the same theater throughout five years. I don't know. I actually saw Hamilton, and he wasn't in the show that I watched, so... Watching him on Disney Plus was actually like super cool just because I thought his performance was a really good one in Hamilton. Yeah, I haven't seen him. Oh, I try to watch it. See, I, I'm not a person that I don't really like musicals like that. I did try, but it looks like it, it was a good film for people who like musicals, but I just can't watch it personally. But, um, in terms of uh, best performances in 2020, um, Jim Cummings, uh, his he had a debut film called Thunder Road, and um, this is pretty much his uh, film. I believe this is his, his film after that. It is called The Wolf of Snow Hollow, 
And um, I'm not sure if any of you guys saw this film, but it, you know, this guy, he's the sheriff of town and you have these uh, murders happening. And um, while they're doing their investigation, it, you know, he's an alcoholic, um, he's going through a lot of depression, um, going through divorce, you know, but the thing is, what makes it to me his performance so um, why I mentioned him is because you actually felt for this guy, man. Like you, like you actually knew him. It's like the way he, you see him breaking down in the film. It's like, damn, you feel sorry for this guy. You know, um, it's kind of like remind me of Joker how he slowly, you know, uh, descends into this madness. And it's like you see this guy in, in the Wolf of Stone Hollow. You see this his character losing it, man, uh, slowly but surely. Um, but but you know he, you know he still does his job and just balancing everything and kind of like uh, you know going through this, you know the gamut of human emotion. So if if nobody saw that, I would definitely uh, you know recommend that you guys see this film. I know you recommended it uh, in our uh, top movies pod podcast. So yeah, it's definitely on the list. Uh, I was a fan of uh, Jim Cummings' uh, directorial debut. So yeah, I definitely want to check it out. And uh, especially after you, you talked about that. But uh, just going quickly back to uh, uh, <clears throat> Hamilton as uh, sort of, that would be another one I that'd be hard to uh, separate who is the standout there. Of course, uh, Lemuel well, Miranda is sort of the, the main, um, the main attract the, the the one who got the most acclaim and uh, has has had a huge career trajectory afterwards, but uh, uh, seeing everyone with the original cast uh, with the uh, recording that came out uh, over the summer, uh, it's just it's fantastic to see just the, the entire ensemble working together um, in uh, singing and uh, performing uh, all the songs that you know got all the acclaim uh, when uh, Hamilton first came out. Uh, that'd be another one that it would it'd be very hard for me to to choose a favorite, but uh, definitely a Leslie Odom uh, would be one of them. I mean, I just felt that that he pretty much also had like the better songs. I mean, I feel like that's how it also worked in um, Jesus Christ Superstar, where you had um, character Judas who carried the whole entire movie instead of Jesus, who the movie's name or not. Well, I, I seen the movie who the movie's title after her after. Right, it's like uh, the uh, uh, the, uh, the main character, uh, you know, the, the play that's named after is sort of um, uh, almost uh, uh, secondary to what the actual uh, what the actual story is about, uh, rather than that. It's, it's the, yeah, Leslie Odom has a little bit harder of a job playing uh, yeah the Judas in this one, uh, but uh, yeah, it, that's that's an interesting comparison. Uh, but uh, again, I think uh, it, it's just great to see like the, you know, you won't, you won't ever see, probably won't ever see the original cast again if you went to it live. So that's great that uh, Disney Plus was able to put this uh, uh, filmed uh, film performance up uh, for everyone to see. So another one of my uh, best performances comes from a movie that I uh, talked about in the best films uh, of 2020. And that is um, the character uh, played by Haley Bennett in Swallow, uh, a movie that easily 
uh, in lesser hands could have turned into a lifetime movie, right? But because she's uh, so skilled at, at, at kind of uh, conveying the emotions of this character, again, at times, um, emotions that are um, intent, but at the same time, uh, she projects a certain kind of subtlety in terms of her emotions. Uh, a woman who's got a certain um, uh, psychological uh, uh, ailment that actually causes her to ingest all kinds of objects that are not edible, uh, from batteries to nails, uh, uh, screws, things of that nature. Um, and again, it could have easily been a, a lifetime movie uh, in, in, in lesser hands, but the way she's able to to to, to carry uh, that role throughout the movie in a way that's that's believable and also has you invested and not just kind of a, a um, scoffing at uh, the character is, I think, pretty amazing. I, I think it's a film that I, I probably uh, would not have liked as much if, if she hadn't been uh, just deftly uh, skilled uh, as an actress in, in this picture. Yeah, I agree. I agree. She did an excellent job. Um, she just played so innocent, man, so vulnerable, you know what I mean? It was so believable in her performance that, you know, you felt, you, you know, you felt for her. Um, you know, it's just everything she did was just believable. Like, you know, kind of like you felt you knew her um, and uh, you just felt sorry for her. So like like you said, like the subtleties, she did not overplay it, underplay it. That's kind of like, it's just right. Yeah, <clears throat> she was, uh, yeah, Swallow is definitely, uh, it's, uh, you know, hard to swallow at sometimes. It's very hard, uneasy in some places, but uh, I think it's one of those, uh, you're just so intrigued by the, by the lead performance, uh, Haley Bennett, uh, that you just have to like find out more about this character, and, uh, like what she's going through. Uh, again, uh, uh, sort of, uh, Sort of delving into uh, issues of uh, you know issues of gaslighting and uh, the, you know, uh, the domestic abuse. In this case, it's much more psychological than physical, rather than uh, uh, invisible man. But still, uh, just uh, very uh, heartbreaking to see that uh, uh, what this uh, what this what the Haley Bennett's character goes through, uh, what she does to sort of cope with the situation, and. Uh, Definitely one of the, uh, definitely a great performance. Uh, so I think, you know, what we're looking at here, and again, on my list, I've had a number of uh, films that had female leads that are trying to deal with trauma on some level. And I think that this is um, all in the wake of um, kind of the, 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 the Me Too uh, uh, era or movement uh, from a few years ago that some of these were, you know, uh, sparked or conceived uh, at that time. Um, but with a certain degree of, of well, more, more the degree, a lot of um, skill in the way they, they approach it. Because again, I mentioned could have easily been uh, a lifetime movie, but that same could have been the case for, for Promising Young Woman or, or Rizzle Man or another uh, a television show um, 
on HBO, a series, a limited series, The Undoing with, with uh, Nicole Kidman, kind of similar. All these are films of women who've kind of been done wrong. And there's an added, I guess, emphasis or effort in making them quality because that we've for decades been able to see that on Lifetime, but not nearly with the attention to detail or the writing uh, or the casts that we, we've seen uh, in the last year or so. Um, but that's a certain kind of theme or thread through all of the movies, at least a lot of them that I've, I've mentioned today. Uh, another um, another performance. I don't know if anybody saw Black Bear. Has anybody seen Black Bear? No. I have. Arbor. <laughs> oh, who said that? Oh, Jeff. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would say Aubrey Plaza. Uh, basically, she she's playing more than one role. Basically, I mean, if you saw the film, you know what I'm talking about. But it's amazing for her to. You know, um, you know, she's she's playing it one way at the beginning of the film, and then she transitions to kind of like a, even though she's playing, you know, the same character, but it's like it's just totally different in the second half, and it's and, and, and kind of like uh, you see, kind of like the, um, you know, you, know, you start off in one place, and then you see the build up. You know what I'm saying? As you go further, and it's like, um, like I know I used this before, but like, like the joke of how Joaquin Phoenix's character, it starts off this meek character, the next thing you know, he ends up here. And, um, you know, descends into this madness until the Joker that we all know in the Batman films. And this is kind of like the same thing where you start from one place, and then you end up someplace completely different. And you can see that in her performance, not just in the writing, because it's also in the writing, but um, she, she, it, you know, in order to pull it off, you need the acting to match that. And I think she did the uh, perfect, she played that pitch perfect in this film. Yeah, love Black Bear. I'm glad somebody else watched it uh, because it really wasn't uh, promoted very well on the platforms that it came to. But yeah, Abby Plaza, yeah, this is something, you know, most people probably know her from Parks and Rec and uh, her comedic uh, movies, uh, comedic, co comedy movie works. But this one is very different than uh, what you're probably expecting from her. Uh, just a really, yeah, we, we talked about the nuance, the character. This is a very, uh, multi, you know, multi-layered uh, character in, in more ways than one. Um, she, uh, she has to, and like you said, she's playing uh, multiple characters and uh, uh, through many uh, iterations, uh, we'll leave it in, uh, probably I'll, I'll leave it at that uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, but um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be Plaza, uh, yeah, it's like, um, sort of she goes to you know uh, completely different uh lengths than uh, probably what uh, you're expecting um and it pulls it off uh, it's a uh uh it's definitely a different kind of thriller than probably you're uh, you're expecting but uh going back to what uh mark was saying about sort of uh you know the Movies that uh, if treated, movies in other hands probably would have come off as very uh, 
uh, as a lecture, you know, very, uh, very preachy or very just uh, sort of uh, um, very grandstanding, if not with uh, more uh, in more caring hands. Uh, uh, I think uh, Eliza Hitman's uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, a very small movie, uh, came on uh, to the streaming platforms with, uh, I think, uh, right in the beginning of the year. And uh, Sydney Flanagan is, uh, is a small town girl, but uh, she needs to get an abortion. But, uh, and uh, of course, where she is, uh, is not really, uh, it's not really an option for her given the laws are in place. So she has to go all the way to New York in order to have this performed. And uh, Talia Ryder plays her friend that uh, tags along and is able to help her out. And, um, Again, yeah, it's a very hot button issue, but uh, they handle it uh, very deftly and very humanely. And uh, you're just a lot, it's, it's really almost a buddy road trip, you know, besides the huge heavy issue that uh, they're dealing with. But uh, it's, uh, it's not in a very comedic way, but it's just in a very uh, immersive way that um, uh, the filmmakers sort of, uh, uh, sort of, uh, 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 help you help the audience along in this journey in order to uh, in all the levels of uh, bureaucracy that uh, even in um, even in New York what, what they have to go through in order to uh, in order to find a doctor that can perform this procedure uh, is it's very but uh, again one of those yeah if it was uh, by any in any other hands besides a very great filmmaker like Eliza Hitman this would probably would have come like Mark said as a lifetime uh, original movie but uh, in this one it's very yeah it's very uh, close, it's very warm, it's very understanding, and uh, uh, very, uh, yeah. and you empathize with the characters at the end rather than sort of just, uh, just sort of w w watch them go through this. <laughs> I mean, not just the way it was shot and directed, not just the way it was written, like, like, like I was saying before, uh, as a screenwriter, you can, have a very good script you it can be very well directed but sometimes um when you write a script you have to be able to pull off certain uh characters and scenes you know what i'm saying so it's not like uh no matter how well it's written if you don't if you can't pull it off the way it's written and this is kind of like one of those roles that it, it has a document, almost like a documentary feel to it. And um, so this performance almost makes you feel like you're watching a documentary, like you're watching an actual teenager going through this. You're not just watching a performance. So yeah, I agree with you. She did a very good job in this. And again, it's uh, you know, it's not preachy. It's not very. It's not a lecture. It's just you're seeing just this uh, this poor girl's journey, and uh, of what uh, and all the roadblocks are put in front of uh, trying to get a, a medical procedure. Essentially, uh, you know, give, that it's that's an abortion is you know again a very hot topic issue. But uh, uh, it just takes you along. It that uh, very deftly handles that the. the uh, uh, it definitely handles the, the politics of the matter very well. And at the risk of being uh, tangential, it's almost like, and to kind of, I guess, refer back to what I had mentioned before, it seemed as if there's something happening um, 
at the industry level to allow for um, these much more uh, fully um, fleshed out uh, ideas uh, surrounding you know women uh, and kind of coming to grips with uh, any number of uh, issues that hasn't been the case uh, before. Of course, you can have you know you can point out any number of movies from the past that that allow for something like this. Um, three billboards or whatever something of that nature but we're just seeing you know a glut of them now um and it's a good thing that we're seeing you know um women who have not really been in these lead roles um get these opportunities to to have these again well fleshed out stories um well funded well written um people who have a, an idea or a vision for what they want to put on the screen and they're given the license and liberty uh, latitude to do that and you know what we're seeing here is i think uh, you might kind of look back and see this as a as a um an era which i don't know what the name for this era would be but there, there's something about this period right now that's 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 kind of bringing about these really weighty roles for for female actors um who want to convey something meaningful yeah uh, female performances especially even you know uh years back are always the hardest for me to nail down you know just to top five or top ten uh because women bring it like uh i mean they 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 come up with the roles that really just uh, uh very complicated roles that uh, and uh, you're able to uh help you understand uh their characters journeys and their characters thoughts uh throughout uh yeah every single year uh you know going going back uh you know decades it's almost always the hardest thing to nail you know the top five uh performances because there's so many a glut of them uh you know uh yeah the guys need to catch up in some cases because uh i don't know maybe it's just um uh i uh, i uh, Maybe it's just a, a different expectation when I when I see uh, uh, actors or something. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's it's almost always hard for me to nail down just you know from a huge swath of great performances a year a year just the female uh, actors. Right, right. Well, again, with 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 me, it's it's not just the performances. It's the types of movies. These these movies that are asking. Um, us to go along this journey with a character who's resolving a, a, a really traumatic uh, uh, past um, and, you know, without it being uh, the burning bed, right? The old, you know, TV uh, movie deal. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, this is, for me at least, it's something, it appears to be something different that, that, that's going on right now. So um, there was a movie that came out in 2020 on HBO Max called Unpregnant. I've seen that, but I was wondering, was that supposed to be like a response to Unplanned? Oh, you mean uh, never rarely, sometimes, always, or? I don't know. I uh, just meant just because like, um. I feel like Unpregnant was more of like the buddy commie humor sense of. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, okay. I know what you're talking. Okay, I know okay. what you're talking about. <laughs> sure. I know, I know. Okay, I got you. Uh, I don't know actually. Um, yeah, because um, uh, the, the Eliza Hitman movie is, uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think uh, Kenyatta said very documentary esque uh, sort of. Uh, your, uh, you're with these characters the entire time uh, on their 
on their road trip essentially. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's, but I don't know if it was sort of the comedic response to that or, or not. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, never really sometimes always is uh, is much more grounded and much more uh, much more real. Yeah, because when you were first describing the movie, I automatically for some reason was thinking about the movie Unpregnant, and then how you kept on going to the plot. I was like, that does not sound like the same movie. I heard of Unpregnant, but I'd never seen it. How how is it? I thought it was a really good, touching, buddy-buddy comedy film. Like, the subject, yeah, is like a very tough subject, of course. But other than that, it was, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I mean, there was a lot of comedy, uh, a lot of other issues going on within the movie. Like, I think one of the characters, um, they were basically struggling with how their friendship turned out and why they weren't friends anymore. And then, you come discover what the reasons were. Not gonna spoil it for you if you're ever gonna watch the movie. But um, yeah, like I said, it was just, uh, I would say a lot of dark humor and that was into it, that went into this film. I'm not sure if anybody ever watched, you know, in terms of HBO Max or HBO, there was a show on there called Euphoria. I'm not sure if anybody has seen that that uh that that TV show has anybody seen it? My wife watches it. Uh, I, I I can't say I, I've seen it. I've seen it in passing when she's been had it on the screen. I've walked that. I I can't say I know enough about it. I know that uh, the actress uh, Zendaya uh, Zendaya uh, is the lead or had been the lead in it. Yeah, she's she's the lead in it, and um, I would have mentioned her except for you know, the last season was 2019, but since we're only talking about 2020, uh, but she did have one episode, like a special episode, 2020, I think it's December. Uh, but however, there was it, was, it was pretty much, it almost felt like a um, an adapted from a stage play because the way it was ran, it was like, it was just two people in a restaurant and, um, Basically, it was her sponsor. You know, she's heavily into drugs. Uh, Euphoria, I, I pretty much like that show. And what made me watch the show, because the cinematography on that show is a killer. And like I said, the performances by a lot of people. And um, it was some deep, um, you know, some deep issues that they're dealing with. So uh, I don't know when the next new season will be will start, but they did come out with two special uh, episodes one, the end of December 2020, and one just came out this past uh, week. Um, it's, you know, so it was just dealing with two of the characters from the show. However, even though Z Zendaya is, you know, marvelous, magnificent, and Euphoria, to me, his name is Coleman. Let me see what's his, his name is. What's his name? Coleman Domingo. He was the sponsor. He played the character Ali. And um, and the character that Zendaya plays, Rue Bennett. And so basically, they're in the diner and he's doing his intervention uh, as a um, sponsor. And I just think that um, if you haven't seen it, is about not quite yeah it actually is an hour long 
um, even though in terms of uh, like other uh, films and TV episodes that we've mentioned, it didn't have this clear, like you start here, then you end up, you know, on this very high note. To me, it was kind of like uh, he played calm, cool. He played like, a, you know, just an everyday average person uh, as a sponsor, but it was just a powerful performance. And Coleman Domingo was also Marie Blackbottom. Um, I'm trying to think, I can't remember the name of the character he played in that. But he was also Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, he was in that. Um, he, he may have been like in uh, other films here and there. Uh, Selma. Yeah, he was in Selma as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he, he did a very fantastic job in, in this. And, um, you know, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend, we recommend it. Just want to you know, quickly mention, you know, I, I, yeah, Euphoria is uh, one of the, another one of those, along with a lot of other shows that are um, I to watch. Cube, you want to get enough time to in between uh, movie watches uh, to get this series. But I just wanted to mention um, uh, we mentioned it uh, in uh, top movies, uh, even though this is uh, toes line between uh, because toes line between TV and. Uh, movies, but uh, it's considered an anthology. So I'll, I'll just mention the Small X uh, uh, series of movies uh, and definitely all the cast there, but uh, especially the Mangrove uh, episode uh, with uh, where uh, about a, a cafe that sort of gets terrorized by the, the police force and they uh, a, um, a protest, a, a protest uh, starts and then uh, gets it goes it's violent and then uh, there's backlash and uh, it sort of turns into a courtroom drama from there but uh, Sean Parks on the t-shirt right uh, uh, are definitely the standouts uh, there uh, and uh, uh, John Boyega is in another sort of installment of the anthology Red, Right, and Blue uh, sort of playing a, <clears throat> a cop from the West Indian community that uh, sort of exposes like what all the um, all the, all the different types of uh, biases and racism that uh, goes on in just the police force and uh, the sort of uh, uh, realization that uh, sometimes being a part of a system doesn't mean you can change it from the inside out. Uh, so, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to just, uh, those those two in particular, uh, uh, Mangrove and Red Ryan Blue were probably my favorites out of the, uh, out of the five part anthology. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Mangrove was one of my favorite films of 2020. And um, yeah, I don't know what else because you said everything that uh, I agree with and what I would say about it. As far as uh, small acts, I, I've seen uh, the one that was most highly recommended to me uh, by this group, uh, I guess the last time we met, um, I think it was the final installment uh, of small acts. Uh, education. education yeah yeah that, that was uh certainly uh not just not eye-opening but it, it kind of confirmed uh some things that even happened here it's not it's uh, limited to the uk uh certainly uh students find themselves placed 
uh, in classes or schools or labeled with all types of uh, disabilities or challenges that may or may not have those disabilities. It's all about, you know, those individuals who are assessing them and also uh, wanting to cast them aside because they find them to be a nuisance for whatever reason. Uh, so yeah, certainly uh, uh, well worth the watch. I've yet to see the entire uh, anthology. Um, again, catching up on all 2020, uh, to, much like, uh, as you know, Jeff said, you, give, you try to catch up on things. Uh, I, I'm eager to watch the rest of the, the, the films and the series, but education certainly was, was for me strong. I can't say that uh, any one performance in that one um, was particularly strong. It was a story that, that was uh, most important uh, in that one, not really the performances. Derek, you went down your list, Ray? More TV picks? Uh, I have two more that are on my list. So we'll go with the first one, which is probably one of the worst movies of 2020, but I thought this performance actually stood out a lot of anything. It should probably change the name of the movie. But um, Pedro Pascal in Wonder Woman, I thought his performance was excellent. Like it started out like small, but it just kept escalating, 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 escalating until finally he just became like this very powerful character in the movie. Like he overshadowed, um, What's her name? Gal Gadot, completely out of the movie. Like, and that was supposed to be her movie. Like, but yeah, I gave it to Pedro Pascal for Wonder Woman. I thought his performance was like one of the best. Haven't uh, seen that. Haven't seen Wonder Woman. Uh, I'm certainly waiting, waiting, and waiting for a point where I can see that without having to sh shed, shed one little uh, penny from everything I've heard about the movie. Um, and then also my kind of my continuing kind of frustrations with uh, the DCEU um, have led me to say I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit, uh, certainly wait till it's not going to cost me anything extra to, to see uh, Wonder Woman, um, but I look forward to seeing uh, uh, the Pascal uh, performance. Hey, don't forget, you could get a free trial for like two weeks. <laughs> I'm gonna wait till it's worth it, right? I want, I want, a, I want a whole cache of things that I want to see that can knock them up at a time when I'm not working. Maybe you take a week off or something from work and just digest everything. Oh, okay, I got you. It's yeah. not worth you know wasting. In my opinion, my my free free trial. I, I, yeah, I I agree with you because there's mean, a lot of good stuff coming out. So. <laughs> I was gonna say we all have HBO Max. I'm pretty sure you can just have to borrow one of ours to watch Wonder Woman. <laughs> like yeah. it wasn't. Oh, go on. No, go ahead. no, no, go ahead. Go, go. Like you know, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just like our expectations were set high because of the original Wonder Woman film. So when you saw this one, you're just kind of like, like you don't know how to feel about it, just because you you wanted to enjoy it but you're not going to. Um, the only thing I got to say about that, um, I would have to see it again to kind of, I kind of gave up on it. So um, I, I didn't get a chance to pay attention to the performance like you have, but I would, if I did give it to um, Pedro, it would be for The Mandalorian. Uh, and also just to kind of piggyback off what you said, uh, somebody came to me wanting 
to share want, wanting to share my um my password to uh, my Hulu. I said, no, some in order to get a stream, you have to give a stream. Like I can't just give you my Hulu. <laughs> what do you have? You know, it's kind of like puff puff give. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta. You know, I can't just give you my Hulu. You know, you know, I don't have Disney Plus. You gotta give me a Disney Plus. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, a lot of people are doing that. Oh, I have Netflix. Give me, you know, I'll give you my Netflix for for Amazon Prime. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, all I've got is uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix. Uh, that's really, yeah, it's really and, and Shutter. You know, but maybe we'll talk uh, off recording so that we can't incriminate <laughs> ourselves. Bro, I know, huh? <laughs> we'll do this after the, we're done with this. Right, right. <laughs> we're not self-incriminate ourselves, yes, in uh, <laughs> recording. Hey, hey. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I. Um, Pedro Pascal's uh, performance as a sort of Donald Trump light in uh, Wonder Woman um, sort of uh, wouldn't have been um, my favorite, but yeah, I do appreciate that how over the top he went, he took it. Um, but um, uh, definitely, I would, yeah, I, I agree with Kenyatta. I think the better performance is in The Mandalorian, which, you know, I mean, he's completely masked, you know, uh, he, he's uh, just, uh, he's behind a helmet, you know, throughout the entire thing, but uh, you can just, uh, tell what uh, what emotions he's going through, just given uh, how he's saying certain stuff or his his body language. Uh, definitely a great performer. Uh, uh, in in Wonder Woman, he can definitely show he can take it way to eleven in uh, in that one. Who's your next one, uh, 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 Derek? Because you said you had two. Uh, I cannot pronounce that name that well. I want to say it sounds French. Um, Ray Jean Page from Bridgerton. I thought his character was like just an amazing character. Like he starts off as this like very aloft type guy. He's like the Duke of Hastings, but then you kind of you kind of as you, as the um show progresses or whatever, you start to know what his true purpose is and how he's trying his hardest to maintain that purpose, but it, like slowly he's fighting against it. I'm not trying to spoil it for anyone's going to watch it. It's a really good, great show. Very diverse. And what's funny about the diversity of the show is that it's not mentioned at all whatsoever just because it's all about um, wealth and status versus color. Yeah, I know. It just came on uh, Netflix. So uh, I'm, I'm almost, I would almost um, uh, put it as a 2021 show. But uh, yeah, I definitely heard a lot of good stuff about it. Uh, we'll probably will uh, put it on the list, put it on the queue for it. Uh, Whenever I can get around to it, and um, but in terms of uh, uh, sort of Netflix shows, uh, uh, I definitely think Anya Taylor Joy and uh, Queen's Gambit uh, that she knocked it out of the park. Uh, she's always a great uh, performer, but uh, in this one she really gets uh, a whole show to show it off, to show her, her talents off, and uh, definitely uh, deliver. Yeah, I, you know, and but I think that's definitely the main. Um, um, main thing to uh, to watch it for because I, I think it maybe goes a little bit too long. Uh, I don't I don't know if they needed seven full you know hour length episode episodes in order to tell the story, but uh, Under Taylor Joy uh, delivers uh, in every instance. Uh, definitely the main thing to watch for. Yeah, I was I was thinking about her as well, and um, 
in terms of how many episodes? It's about eight, right? Eight, eight like seven, episodes? yeah. It's like seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, because usually they go about thirteen. So right, right, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was it was the right length, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God and go. 13 that, that was way <laughs> too much but uh yeah i agree with you with you um i've uh liked her since uh because uh, she was in the witch and um as a film i have to rewatch that but um in the movie split i think well, she she was also in the, the, the follow-up to that but she did such an excellent job in split so i ever since then i've been paying attention to stuff that she's in but I agree, she did an excellent job, more of a grown-up role. Uh, now that she, you know, she's a growing, you know, growing to the woman that she's becoming. And um, yeah, I agree with you on on that on that role. She displayed a very excellent role in that event. Uh, welcome to screenwriters, aspiring writers, film lovers, and everyone in between. The latest episode of Script to Screen, the Boston Screenwriters Group podcast, hosted by myself, Jeffrey Chang Stewart, Kenyatta Hoskins, and Mark Liddell, where we discuss and give screenwriter, filmmaker, and film lovers perspective on movies and other various forms of media-related topics. Whenever you're giving us a listen, morning, noon, or night, we hope to be the great part of your listening cues. We know the world is a a tad, shall we say, off kilter right now, but we hope to be a part of the good stuff in your day with these in-depth discussion on film, TV streaming, and other things we love. I'll start out with the intros. I've been a co-organizer of the screenwriting group for over five years, helping out the founder, Deborah Sharif, with the meetups, where we help any level of experienced screenwriter peer review their screenplays with other members. I'm also a local filmmaker on the lower end of budgets, but I'm always up coming up with movie ideas and ready to film. Now, with all that settled, I'll pass it off to my co-organizer and good friend, Kenyatta. Yeah, what's up? Uh, this is Kenyatta Hoskins. I've been a member of the Boston Screenwriters Group for five years, a little bit more than five years. Been a co-organizer for around three years, aspiring screenwriter and filmmaker, and I am very happy to be here. I'm Mark Lydell, a uh, longtime educator in the Boston area and lover of film. Um, I've also been involved in, in repertory theater in Michigan and also some uh, film work, uh, film school uh, work uh, there too. Um, and just have been a lifelong uh, film aficionado, if you, as you might say. Um, I just love movies and I want to talk about some top performances today. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, giving out warm wishes to all of our uh, New England listeners in uh, Midwest. Uh, we know it is freezing, uh, freezing uh, right now, uh, but uh, we hope that this discussion helps uh, warm you up, warm your spirits a little bit up. Uh, so, but we're talking about uh, performances, uh, the best performances that uh, we saw over the past year, and. Uh, I think they're going to be very varied uh, and uh, they don't even have to come from movies that we particularly like, but these are standout performances that uh, matter to us, uh, no matter the, uh, no matter the rest of the movie around the, uh, the actor. And uh, would anyone like to start us off? Sure. I, I didn't um, rank order these, but um, I just have to say, that this person needs to get nominated for something. And I'm not sure how nominations uh, are working now in terms of um, movies and 
where they have to show uh, for X number of weeks, given the pandemic and everything, there used to be rules around that. Films had to be shown for X number of weeks in Los Angeles County um, and across the country in certain places. But this film was a Netflix movie um, directed by uh, Spike Lee and the lead character, uh, Delroy Lindo in The Five Bloods. That role that he played in The Five Bloods was phenomenal. Um, there's a particular arc to the, to the character that was interesting, um, you know, beginning with him being joyful, meeting up with his buddies um, uh, back you where know, they experienced some horrors, the horrors of war. Um, and then, you know, toward the end of the movie, we see a totally different person. Um, and just that the arc was incredible and in how, you know, at times he was nuanced, um, interacting, um, not to spoil, spoil it, but with his, his son at certain points. And just the, the range of emotions, incredible. Um, I think his best, probably his best work, Delroy Linda, I'll, I'll make that, that case. I'll put myself out there. His best work was in The Five Bloods. He, de he deserves credit. Yep, it's definitely on mine. <laughs> probably, if not, uh, yeah, I didn't rank mine either, but that would probably definitely be at the top as well. Uh, just a wide range of emotions coming from uh, Lindo. Uh, it's great to see that he gets a starring role. Um, it really is uh, centered around him. Uh, he's, yeah, everything you said, Mark, he goes through just uh, the, he goes through the gauntlet. Uh, you know, he starts out joyful seeing friends he hasn't seen in probably decades. And then um, by, and then uh, he reluctantly meets his son that tags along, even though he didn't want him there. And then uh, you just see different shades of this character that uh, slowly start to reveal. And uh, by his final scene, man, you're just, uh, you're just completely with him, even though he's done some pretty horrible things and uh, said some horrible, especially to his son. Uh, but by the end, you're, you just understand him. Like, you may not like him, like you may not like what he, he's done, but uh, you understand him. And I think that's, that, that's something that, uh, an act, that's just uh, amazing for an actor to pull off. And um, to be honest with you, when I first saw it, because this, this film came out in, I believe, January or February, uh, the five bloods, am I correct? Oh, mid-January, I believe. And um, watching his performance, I right right off, I was like, "Yeah, this is you know one of the top performances." That's gonna you know people have to contend with this with this performance in this film. And um, I didn't rank mine either, so this is definitely on my list. So I agree with everything everybody said. I'd also give a shout out to the the rest of the the rest of the Bloods uh, that, that joined him. I think it's a great cast uh, uh, with uh, Clark Peters uh, and uh, um, uh, Isaiah Whitlock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So Derek is actually entering. Um, yeah, the entire cast just just does just wonders. Uh, you definitely understand that these have been uh, these have been buddies for for long. They, they've been uh, they've been through combat. They've been through the they've been literally in the trenches uh, together. You can definitely tell that the camaraderie comes off very well. Um, you know, and uh, you know uh, Chadwick Boseman, especially in the flashbacks, just exudes this uh, leadership quality that uh, you just understand why they all want to. Um, they don't want to go to Vietnam and try to find uh, Storm and Norman's body because uh, 
this guy helped them through the roughest stuff uh, during Vietnam, and uh, they just want to honor him. And you really feel that, in the, especially in the flashbacks. Okay, so yeah, Derek, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of messing up the order, but uh, maybe if you want to give like, a little intro and then uh, we can just, keep, we're just talking about uh, the Five Bloods and uh, especially Delroy Lindo's performance, but uh, yeah, uh, you're free to uh, chime in, uh, give you, I'll give a little intro. Uh, yes, hello, sorry I'm late, um, Derek Miller. Yeah, no, like, and I was looking over my notes and everything that I made, yeah. Um, Actually, what I also wrote down for um, the Five Bloods is Chadwick Boswick's performance. I really enjoyed the way he handled things in that movie. Uh, yeah, but you were, as I interrupted you, you were um, also talking about um, Delroy's performance. I thought it was an excellent job. I thought he, support, as a supporting character, carried the role for pretty well. Oh, see, I actually think he's leading. Uh, you know, even though uh, he gets, you know, uh, killed off unceremoniously, uh, sorry, spoilers, I guess, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I think the whole movie kind of centers around his journey uh, from, uh, yeah, we were, we mentioned it a little bit uh, at the top, uh, you know, he's starting off, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's enjoying himself, he's enjoying seeing, uh, seeing the, the other bloods, uh, where, where they came from, uh, you know, catching up and uh, going going to the club and everything. And then, um, you know, when his son starts uh, entering the picture, you know, layers start being revealed about uh, what has happened to, uh, um, what has happened to Paul, uh, Delroy Leno's character over the time span since, uh, since leaving Vietnam. And uh, I actually think that, yeah, the, I think the focus of the movie is sort of Paul's journey, uh, you know, from, from this sort of gung-ho soldier type to now just kind of hollowed out and uh, not really, uh, not really facing his demons until they until it's inescapable. Yeah, um, <clears throat> like I said, Delroy he kicked it off 2020 with a very powerful performance. And I would say, um, more towards the end of the year, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You, you know, like like you said, the five the five bloods had a very powerful cast, and I would say the same thing about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But there were actually two performances performances that stood out. And here we go again. We're talking about Chadwick Boseman. I think. Uh, between him and uh, Viola Davis, those two really kind of like you seeing like two uh, champions of the ring go at it. Even though per se they they yeah actually they were in opposition, you know at some point in the film, but um, just you know rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, uh, his last performance in any film, and. Um, I mean, he did it. He did it justice, man. And um, also, Viola Davis. I know multiple. I mean, this is also based on the play because we talked about another film uh, earlier about films um, being, uh, um, you know, adapted to. Uh, excuse me, a play adapted to a film, and this is like one location, so on and so forth. And then, um, like I said, other 
actors played that character, and I think I've, I've seen like bits and pieces of other actors playing that character of Ma Rainey, and and, and, and she, I think she, she, I think she blew out the, you know, the water, because um, when I showed when I told people about this film, and when they were watching it, they even know that was Viola Davis, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, but she really immersed herself in this uh, role, and she was she was very commanding. And um, her take on it was um, was spot on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Both uh, the Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis performances in, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom were on my list. And as you kind of mentioned, she has you know command you know you can see the way the other characters react to her she's the alpha even even though we're talking about a time in history where um black entertainers are taken advantage of and she you know uh is certainly aware of that in, in the way that she carries herself that um she's prone to be um used um that she's unforgiving in the way she conducts herself and the demands she makes on the people around her um and you know she's a and that black woman in this era who doesn't have, um, uh, we would think would not have a lot of power, but the way she kind of uh, uh, moves herself uh, around this piece, she's the, the, the alpha, she's the strongest person in the room. And people are often worried about what, you know, Ma Rainey is gonna think, uh, how will she react? The fact that they're focused on, uh, will she, you know, be accepting of X, Y, or Z? says that she is the again the alpha and she really did a great job of, of conveying that on the screen um and as far as chadwick boseman's character again at times at odds with ma rainey um also a very complex uh character uh embodying um uh, some of the the challenges that affect uh many uh people from marginalized groups uh i.e um his, I guess, initial kind of preoccupation with the trappings of success, even though he doesn't really have that level of success, um, trying to show um, in terms of the shoes that he had and kind of investing his whole um, identity uh, in having these trappings, his whole identity in having, having uh, the prestige of having these fancy shoes um, made me think a little bit about how the identity of another character from another movie uh, Radio Rahim was tied to his radio. That, that was his identity. And not that th th those shoes were as important to uh, the Levy character in this movie, but it, but it shows the connection between uh, one's self-worth, one's own value, and the objects that they kind of adorn themselves with or have around them. Um, and I thought that was excellently kind of portrayed by by Bozeman and how, you know, your, your identity, your self-worth can be linked to what you own and not who you are. And he did a great job of, of, of uh, portraying that. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm glad sure? for you. Okay, you sure? Uh, no, I was just going to say just a wonderful uh, adaptation of the August Wilson play. It's a great twofer uh, with, uh, as you've said, with uh, Davis and Bozeman. Uh, just two powerhouse, you know, just uh, egos just going at each other and trying to just dominate each other but uh uh as uh as the movie plays out it's uh it, it, it makes it clear who had the upper hand the entire time uh you know it's 
it's one of those, uh, it's inescapable that this is uh, sort of, we talked about it in uh, our top movies of the year, that it's almost inescapable that uh, this is, is uh, Chadwick Boseman's farewell performance. And uh, it's, but uh, even if it wasn't, you know, I, I, I would hope that he would get the same acclaim that he's getting uh, in terms of his Levy character, this very talented trumpet player. But um, when he goes up against uh, Ma Rainey, uh, he just, finds that he's not quite uh, he's not quite up to snuff and that probably uh doesn't doesn't quite uh uh doesn't uh that isn't something that he that's easily acceptable for him and uh, it's a it's a very complicated uh, character and uh very different from uh, from the defy bloods uh where he's sort of this uh almost mythical uh, idea of uh of uh, of a leader and uh, in this one, he's, uh, he's he has very he has a lot he has a lot of things. Uh, he, it's, it's almost like these they switch roles. He's almost like the Paul character from Defy Bloods. There's a lot more going. There's a lot more layers going on uh, rather than the, the bravado that he's exuding. There's a lot more going on there underneath the surface, and uh, that comes out by the end. Yeah, I mean it's a high log, uh, uh, high dialogue. It's a dialogue heavy film, and um, Sometimes the way you direct, you know, a film with a lot of dialogue, the way you shoot it can, you know, maintain, you know, um, interest in the audience. Because sometimes, like, all my monologues can get a little bit monotonous and kind of put audiences to sleep. But in this case, I don't think it's just camera angles and so on and so forth. I think it's the acting that carried the interest of the audience and um, Levy, the character that he plays, I'm talking about Jagwick Bozeman, um, uh, it just exudes like these different uh, emotions from pain to, from, like you said, bravado, um, uh, you know, him, you know, talking about his dreams and um, sadness and it just, uh, you know, all, it's just the, all these different, you know, layers of uh, colors that he just put puts in his performance. Going off of that, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of uh, sort of uh, commentary on how on how black entertainment is sort of absorbed and whitewashed into uh, into into conformity with uh, you know a very white dominated industry. I think. Uh, run a blank in uh, the 40 year old version, version again, not virgin, but uh, I think she, a uh, long time New York playwright, I believe. And uh, this is her first time uh, outing, uh, first time film debut, directing, producing, acting, writing, uh, using all the hats in order to uh, get this uh, story out on Netflix. Uh, and she knocks it out of the park. Uh, um, you know, she, I, I, she also raps uh, she, on, on the, uh, in the movie uh, and, uh, she really just um, she shows just uh, again the commentary about uh, what happens to uh, what happens to marginalized voices when they try to make this sort of creative decisions in a very white dominated industry uh, and how she tries to assert herself but uh, is sort of uh, met with a lot of obstacles. I think yeah, it just. She had to, she had a lot of jobs on this uh, on her film debut, but uh, she yeah, I think she knocked all of them out of the park and uh, 
very hopeful that uh, she can continue uh, uh, continue making movies or continue making plays, uh, perhaps, uh, even if, if that gets her enough notoriety. Yeah, like that film was definitely one of my top films of 2020. And I agree with you with the performance because that film wouldn't have been my favorite, you know, one of my favorites of 2020 if it wasn't for her performance. Uh, very gen genuine and very natural, and basically in terms of the character, uh, reminiscent of uh, Ma Rainey and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, you have these um, female characters who are not willing to bend and fold uh, to, like you say, like a uh, white male-dominated industry and, um, you know, not willing to compromise her artistry. And um, it did not come off as sometimes people, they get upset at movies when they feel like there's some um, feminist agenda, I guess they say. It didn't feel like that. It felt like, um, you know, we're going along a journey with a human being who um, faced all, all these obstacles. And um, that's why I said it's, you know, just a genuine felt genuine. And, um, you know, she's 40 years old. And it's like, because think about, uh, think about starting a rap career at 40 for any person, <laughs> never mind, you know, plus your female. Well, anybody who's into rap music um, knows that uh, female rap artists, you know, at any age, even at a young age, you know, um, unless they're exuding all this sexuality, you know, like Lil' Kim or, um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Cardi B and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you get to a, a point of being raunchy. And here you have somebody trying to um, be the antithesis of that. You know, they're not being, they're just being like one of the, they're rapping just like any, you know, male rapper. But, and plus, um, when they try to come at her with, um, you know, with this, I guess negotiating some of her principles, she wasn't following for it, and um, and just the way she acted, it just it was it was it was you know she 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 just did an excellent job. Can't say I've seen that, but is this? Um, a dramatization is, is it is it a documentary it sounds like it's a documentary this one's is it is it i don't understand what no 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 it's uh it's definitely uh scripted uh she wrote it and uh, uh performed it and uh uh it, it is on netflix i definitely recommend it uh yeah. but uh, i mean uh, it's yeah. not it's not documentary per se but i mean there's definitely elements that are definitely like uh, hyper realistic and very uh, very true to very true to life all right. Yeah, the way they filmed it, it has that documentary feel to it. Right. You know, because um, think about it's in black and white, and it just, it kind of reminds me of uh, She's Gotta Have It in a way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like She's Gotta Have It. Um, but I would definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah. Well, another uh, one of my top performances, that's funny, I just happened to see this um, 
last night. And I wasn't sure if this movie qualified for 2020 or not, but apparently it was released in 2020. It wasn't quite sure. Um, was pleasant. Well, not surprised. I, I'd heard a lot of wonderful things about this movie and the lead actress in this role. Um, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. I think she did a wonderful uh, job in, in, in that picture. Uh, um, actually, in a character, a role we've never kind of seen her in before. Um, kind of against, I think, what her uh, type has been, at least up to this point. Um, you don't expect, at least I didn't expect, to see her in a role like this. And, and when I heard, you know, there's a great movie called Promising Young Woman coming out and she was in it. Uh, I did what I always do, and that is I try to avoid as much as possible any trailers, um, or because I, I know they always spoil the movies for me. So I'd heard that this movie, you know, was one that would kind of uh, um, blur the lines of, of uh, categorization as far as genre is concerned. I think it did that. And I think her role uh, was interesting um, in that she was able to inhabit um, this person who was having her own set of issues um, and convey it in such a way where um, I had some sympathy for the character, even though she was doing some, I guess, some bad things. Is at one point, uh, uh, certainly some bad things. Uh, I don't know. Um, but it was just, it's about a woman who's had some trauma in her past and what she's doing to um, deal uh, with that trauma. And one would say, I, think I certainly would say she crosses the line a couple of times in this, um, but it was pleasurable to see and expertly um, acted, I think, by Carrie Mulligan. Actually, I was that was going to be my next mention, so you beat me to it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And so I actually started 2020, so I do count that as 2020. And um, everything you said, I you know, pretty much agree with everything you said. <clears throat> the, the Promising Young Woman sort of uh, a different take on the rape revenge uh, genre uh, definitely, uh, I definitely don't, I don't believe, don't think we want to spoil it uh, on here. So uh, we'll leave it up to people to watch it on their own. But uh, Carrie Mulligan is absolutely just drives that thing. And um, uh, she's always, she's always good, uh, but she is almost always in supporting work. Uh, and she does, she does that job very well, but uh, she gets a lead role to really sink her teeth into. And uh, she really, uh, she really sells it at every turn. Um, sort of this very, very uh, uh, agree, I won't go into the details too much, but uh, a very grieved woman that's trying to get back on uh, a lot of uh, injustice that has happened uh, to people around her. And, uh, and she does, uh, she, she pulls it off, uh, uh, very, probably differently than probably what you're thinking, but uh, definitely um, it spits fire at it that uh, all the roadblocks that happen when uh, sexual assault is sort of uh, uh, pushed aside and uh, not investigated properly uh, and uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, laughed off or, uh, or explained away in, uh, uh, in demeaning ways. Um, yeah, uh, but, uh, but uh, it's not a, it's not very, I, I, my point of view, it's not very preachy about it or very, you know, lecturous uh, about it, but uh, uh, Carrie Mulligan is able to to really uh, exude uh, exude that uh, to make every to make all these points more 
to give these points more humanity than they probably would in uh, in different uh, uh, in different uh, in a different movie. Derek, what about your list? <laughs> so yeah, I wrote on a different list earlier, but now I've just been updating it. Um, so for my list, uh, top of the list, I wrote down Carl Urban from The Boys. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. His character kind of pulls like a 180 in season two versus season one. In season one, he starts off like as this hard ass guy who's out to get revenge. And then in season two, now that he's like right near the finish line, he has to turn back around and start over to achieve a new goal in order to dismantle, um, what's the name of the um, group? Um, um, the people who make the product, I forgot the name of it. Um, uh, oh, yeah, it, huh? you said it starts with a V, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's killing <laughs> yeah, me that I don't yeah, remember. They yeah, they were just called a V, so. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, um, the V, the V agent that makes superheroes. But, yeah, as I was saying, like, um, like I said, in the first season, he was a bit of a hard ass. But then when you watch him in the second season, he's still trying to be this hard ass. But it's kind of becoming difficult for him because now he's become attached to the group that he's with. And I think that was a huge change for his character. At least to me, it was. Season two overall was just like a really good season. It was better than season one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was some pretty good acting uh, across the board in The Boys. But for, for me, in terms, if you want to speak on The Boys, it would have to be the character who plays, um, I know my memory, the one who plays the antithesis of Superman. Um, what's, what's his name? Uh, Homelander. 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 Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was a fan of his since... Um, he had a series uh, before the Banshee on, on, on Cinemax. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. If you haven't, man, if you like action, I would go check out Banshee. So I've been a fan of his since then. And I would say that, um, yeah, I, I do I do like Carl Urban, but I would have to uh, go with, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, who, who plays Homelander. Um, Anthony Starr. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Anthony Starr, man, he just steals the show every time. But um, yeah, so I, I'm I, I'm not gonna argue with Carl Urban because he was definitely excellent. But I would still give the nod to personally for uh, 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 Anthony Starr. Yeah, I started to think that way at um at first too, but I also also just felt like um Homelander was just becoming like the typical villain you see in um, action, action films, but like superhero films. The only difference is he's a superhero portraying a villain, or he's a villain portraying a superhero, excuse me. But yeah, like I, I feel like, um, I feel like his performances would just always have to be over the top, just because he has to like maintain this enigma that he's really the one in control, even though he's slowly losing it. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, it, Anthony Starr is just a, he's just one of those people that you you just remember out of all the actors in that in that that series. But you know, like I said, I'm not really gonna argue Carl Urban because he, he did do a good job. But um, yeah, it kind of reminds me like the Joker. You can't see, you can't envision anybody else in that role. 
you know, when he, when uh, what you call it, did it, um, uh, the Joker, uh, Heath Ledger. I mean, other people do a good job, but it's like you always remember Heath Ledger. Like, I just can't picture anybody else doing Homelander at this point. True, true. I could give you that. I mean, but at the same time, I also want to argue that um, even though you can't see anyone, I mean, well, would you say it was Heath Ledger's acting that made the Joker, or was it the writing? Man, he just, uh, for terms of Heath Ledger, I think it was just his, his acting. I mean, because the writing, like I said, there's other people who played it, and they did pretty good, like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Jack Nicholson. They did good jobs. So and it's just an overall good character, but and they all did good acting jobs. But he, Ledger, kind of like put it over the over the edge, you know. He just, I don't know, he just embodied it so much. It's kind of like he was possessed, you know. He was Joker, so and that's why I'm thinking about Homelander. I, I kind of see him as that. It's like he is Homelander, especially come. I'm I was used to seeing him in Banshee. Which is the exact opposite. He was the good guy. You get what I'm saying? And to go from his character in Banshee to this, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you saw Banshee, but if you did, you'll you have something to compare it to. Yeah, I'll check out Banshee. Have not seen the boys. It is always next on my uh, <laughs> next on my streaming shows uh, cues, but uh, I'm definitely interested. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, it's weird because uh, when I saw the promotional material for it and everything, uh, it sort of looked like a uh, Watchmen series uh, based on the uh, based on the comic book line in the movie that came out, uh, you know, a decade ago. Um, and then we actually got a follow up to Watchmen on HBO, uh, uh, a, uh, a Watchmen sequel series. Uh, with, and um, if we're talking uh, TV, I definitely think uh, Regina King's performance in that as uh, Sister Knight is was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the entire ensemble is really good. Is is they they uh, they recast a lot of uh, uh, great roles from um, <clears throat> from the original comic book, and they gave us new characters, and they mixed it all together. And uh, wow, did it turn out to be uh, prophetic in its uh, some of some of some story beats uh, that they that they handled out uh, um, <clears throat> in terms of. Uh, 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 cops that think of themselves as vigilantes and uh, uh, masking <laughs> was uh, the um, uh, and uh, yeah it's but uh, that was probably my favorite probably uh, superhero uh, TV show uh, one again the one that sort of comments on the idea of superheroes in a real world. Yeah, the Regina King uh, performance in, in Watchmen was absolutely phenomenal. I have to say that um, I was not uh, a reader of the comic books, nor was I a fan of the the, the movie, The Watchmen, at all. Uh, I thought that was it was a jumbled mess. But so I, I I approached this this TV show with some trepidation. I wasn't quite sure how I was going to feel about this again without having the connection to the source material and then not liking the movie. Um, but wow, uh, absolutely um, amazing um, character arc, absolutely amazing. Um, at times she had to be, you know, uh, nuanced in her approach. Um, I can't say enough about that performance. I think that, you know, well, she certainly was the cement that held 
lit all together. And without that performance, it would probably fall apart. Um, but much like, you know, we mentioned before in terms of uh, Carrie Mulligan, I, don't, I can't think, I can't recall a situation where Regina King was the lead ever, right? This is the first time she's had an opportunity to um, have everything, you know, uh, hinge upon her being able to carry out this role and she did a phenomenal job. So, um, you know, part of my amazement might have been because, again, she's been a uh, supporter, a supporter, or a piece of the supporting cast of every movie and TV show she's been in uh, since the 80s when she was in the 227 television show. Um, so, this is my first time seeing her in a lead role and she, she knocked it out the park. This is like, I think 2020 is like the year of Regina King between acting and watchmen and, and directing. Uh, one night in Miami. That was really, you know, her, her year. Yeah, Regina King was always good. I mean, uh, there was a a series that didn't last that long. It's on Netflix. I think it's called Seven Seconds. I believe it was called. Right. Oh my God! You want to talk about acting? Yeah. Uh, it was phenomenal, and it's like you know, it was they didn't they didn't continue it. You know what I mean? And um, and then. I agree with Watchmen was a very good show. And, um, you know, Regina King, as always, she always does a good job no matter where she's in. And like you said, this is the first time she's actually been the main, one of the main characters. So um, I cannot disagree with anything you guys said. Um, yeah, good job, Regina King, man. I mean, um, more power to her. And I, and I hope she continues to direct films. And um, I, I, I We'll look forward to her making more movies and hopefully she gets some more juicy roles, you know. And um, I don't know if we're done talking about Regina King, but uh, if, if we are, I would like to mention um, Sarah Paulson. She was in a, a film called Run. Uh, Run was actually uh, pretty good, you know, straight to who original. I, I believe it was a who original. Uh, she's the mother... Um, of a teenager that's in a wheelchair. Um, I'm not sure if everybody's seen this, but there's like a dark secret going on. And and Sarah Paulson, man, is one of my favorite actors nowadays because I can even uh, not say just the movie Run, but also say Nurse Ratchet too. I mean, she's I've, I've been a fan of Sarah Paulson ever since um, American Horror Story. It's like no matter kind of like Regina King. It's like no matter what she in, she's just phenomenal, and she's uh, you could give her the lead. Uh, she could be you know um, um, you know um, a side character. No matter what position you put her in, man, she's just phenomenal. So I have to say, Run and I would say Nurse Ratchet were both uh, 2020. One's a film, and the other one is a a series uh, which is based off Nurse Ratchet is based off the character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, kind of like a prequel and um, building on, uh, you know, kind of like developing that uh, character. So I don't know if you, anybody saw Run or Nurse Ratchet. If you haven't, I would definitely recommend both of those. Have seen Run. You actually watched it on your recommendation because I was uh, looking for a tight ninety-minute thriller, and uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what I got. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, uh, both uh, Sarah Paulson and uh, the, the uh, actor who plays her daughter, uh, Kira Allen, 
uh, it's another like a sort of just like Ma Rainey's, uh, it's a twofer uh, between the two and it's like raising tension. Yeah, it keeps you guessing as to what exactly is going on. But uh, yeah, Sarah Paulson always brings it and uh, certainly here. And uh, I haven't seen Ratchet. I am interested and curious about it, but uh, uh, Sarah Paulson is definitely also one of my favorite uh, actors. Uh, she, she really... Uh, she, she really can delve into some dark stuff <laughs> when she needs to, uh, when she needs to. But uh, yeah, run is definitely, uh, yeah, just your very, very tight 90 minutes and uh, no filler, uh, old killer. And uh, uh, just really, uh, really knocks it out of the park. It's by the guy who did uh, searching a few years ago, the uh, sort of found footage internet drama uh, with uh, John Cho. Uh, right. Anish, yeah, Anish Chikanti, and uh, he his follow up is uh, is not is a much more you know uh, conventional uh, sort of thriller, but he, he does a very good job. Uh, the writing is excellent. Uh, of course, we mentioned the acting, um, and um, yeah, definitely something to check out on Hulu. I think it was good enough to go in the theater actually, and uh, very talented director. And I will uh, echo your sentiment. For Kiera Allen, I would definitely, you know, I want to show her some love as well. Derek, you got anything else for us? Yes, I do. I watched a, a lot of TV series in 2020. That's what happens when you're married. Um, has anyone seen, I don't know how you pronounce this. I always thought it was just hashtag black as, excuse me, as F word. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that for yet. But um, Rashida Jones's character in that um, mockumentary series, I thought was an awesome character. Like, it, I felt like it was different from every role she's ever played in anything, to be honest. Um, I like how she starts off as this, like, she starts off as this career mom who was once like a, I think she was a partner in a law, law firm. But then she decided to um, quit her job and raise her, I want to say seven kids, which is a lot. Like, that's just crazy. But yeah, like, I know it's like a spoof on all the Kenya Burris's TV shows, because that's what it felt like, because I've watched Blackish, and I watched Mixed Dish, and I watch um, Grownish as well. But yeah, it just seems like with this, it just makes fun of the um, family dynamic in a sense, but at the same time, raising intentions to like um, raising um, a Black family in Hollywood. But yeah. Um, as I was saying, yeah, Rashida Jones's character is just super funny. Um, but towards the end of the series, it gets a little more serious because her and her husband are fighting because she realized she gave up all this stuff for her kids who are now growing up. They don't really need her anymore. So she decides to go back to doing what she loves to do. And then the husband gets upset because um, he feels like she's not doing her job taking care of the kids anymore. But I'm not going to go too far into that. I just thought it was a great role. It was just different from anything she's ever done before. And she was just a really good character. Yeah, a lot of people really shitted on that on, on that series. Um, I personally thought it was hilarious. And of course, it's, uh, you know, people are offended, but they were, they didn't, they didn't give it, you know, any f's you know what i'm saying so i think that's what they you know one of the appeals of the show and um and her character kind of reminded me 
the character that's typically played by um, Diana Ross's daughter, which is, uh, is it Tracy? Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy, yeah. And instead of a doctor, she is a lawyer. So it's kind of like, um, and I, I think it's kind of, you know, he based a lot of stuff on his own life. I think his wife must be some kind of, uh, she must have some kind of high profile job, or, you know, and, um, and it's not just about black, but it's also it's a whole a whole colorism thing that's thrown thrown in there. But I agree with you. This is she she needed this role um, because it's so much different from the other roles that she has played. But she did a good job because you know because uh, she has a, a tough act to follow because Tracy um, Ross she does such you know a good job on blackish. And even mixed dish, you know, she's she's won awards for her performance in, in her role, and in, in that, and um, so she had. To, I mean, she did a good job, kind of like following, you know, following uh, following her 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 job, her performance. It pretty much, I think a lot of people in that in that show was they were pretty good. I know a lot of people hated uh, King and Barris uh, playing himself. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, uh, Rashida, she really did a good job. Yeah, no, I think that was like the point of him playing himself because he played himself more obnoxiously than like I don't know anyone else that would do something like that in uh, anything or any I guess any type of TV show. But again, this was also a mockumentary, so I guess he was supposed to play up his character as much as possible because like like I said in the beginning, he was also just a terrible character. But then at the same time, you saw him becoming a little bit better towards the end of the arm series. Has anybody else saw that series? I did see the the first episode. I, I first two, I think first couple episodes watched with my wife. Uh th- thought it was pretty interesting that I guess the Kenya Barris, uh I guess formula is to find, I guess for I guess the the female leads I, um, the daughter of a legend, right? Just okay. If it's <laughs> either um, um, Diana Ross or, in this case, uh, Quincy Jones, but no, I, I watched it. I'm I'm one of the folks that, to use Kenyatta's term, shitted on Kenya Barris only for, for a number of reasons. Um, so I can't say I, I can I can't really comment on um, the Jones role. In, in, in its whole arc. I've only seen a couple episodes of it, so I can't really comment on on her uh, character arc. So I don't I have a full sense uh, of her character based off of maybe only two episodes. It gets better. It's just, like I said, it's just funny all around. Uh, like the next few episodes, it's funny because like she tries to be the cool mom, goes out to this um, big um, music festival, does Molly with her husband. <laughs> It's just hilarious. We hope you enjoyed our favorite acting jobs from 2020. These were roles and actors we wanted to highlight from movies and TV that resonated with us most from the past year. You can let us know some of your own by using the email in the description to contact us. Feel free to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and other platforms. You can support this podcast and the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking on the support button at anchor.fm. 
You can find Kenyatta and I hosting the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com. You can join us by RSVPing to a virtual peer-reviewing scripts meetup by using the link in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other of life's pursuits. Continue on staying strong.